Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. indoors in English and 11.45 indoors in Spanish. Uh, Good morning. Yeah. Um, Grateful to be sharing the word with you this morning. Um, A couple weeks ago, uh, I was in a store with my wife. We were shopping. She was shopping. Um, I was chasing the children. And, and And I saw a shirt, and I had to take a picture of it. And it just so happened to fit um, with where we're going today. And I believe that picture is here on the screen. Um, yeah, there it is. What a year this week has been, right? And so, so that was a couple weeks ago when I took that and uh, before this week ever even happened. But we've had a few of those weeks this year, haven't we? We've had a few weeks this year that we could say that statement about what a year this week has been. Perhaps when we get to the end of it, it'll be what a decade this year has been. But that's where we're going to start this morning. It's another reason that my wife and I, um, some of you may cheer and some of you may shake your head in disgust. We put our Christmas tree up the day before Halloween. And so so we need some Christmas um, because of the truth of that t-shirt there. We need some hope and some peace in these days. And so as Pastor Adrian said, we're continuing in our series this morning titled Anatomy of a Storm. The Anatomy of a Storm of a storm, and yes, a collective storm that we're in, but like I said last week, some of you are in a battle, and you know it, and some of you are in a battle, and you don't even realize it yet, so we continue this morning, and today we're going to be talking about worry, the worry war, the war that takes place in the midst of the storm, right? Some of us wage this war uh, much more frequently than others, But certainly, we're all tempted um, um, to worry, to become anxious in the midst of a storm. So Pastor Adrian started us off last week, and he started us off in the boat. It's a story found in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus, he's been healing. He's been um, preaching. The the guy's tired, right? He's been going full full throttle um, since his ministry began. He's got his disciples following him, and he says, "Let's let's go to the other side of the sea, the Lake of Galilee, right? The Lake of Galilee, he says, let's go to the other side of the sea. So they get in the boat and they begin to row out. And, and Jesus apparently is exhausted because he falls asleep in the stern of the boat. And now these aren't boats. This isn't a yacht. This isn't a downstairs and upstairs. There's one cavity of which everybody is contained. And Jesus is in the stern sleeping. So he falls asleep and the boys are probably thinking, hey, let's let the master rest a little while, right? We, got a, we probably got a full week ahead of us. We got a full week ahead of us, and then all of a sudden, as they're just peacefully rolling, um, the, water becomes, the water becomes turbulent, the clouds darken, and it says a furious squall came up on the water. And if you look at, historically, the Sea of Galilee is known for these storms that can pop up and become out of hand very quickly. But on this boat, we have four experienced fishermen. They've been doing it their whole life. They've been apprenticing under their fathers. And so, so we got some fishermen in the boat, and this storm comes up. And I imagine, as, as Pastor Adrian took us there last week, they're like, boys, we got this. Let the master sleep. Don't wake him up. He's taking a good nap. And so, so they keep rowing. They keep rowing. But soon it says in the passage, soon it says that the boat was becoming swamped by the waves. 
The waves were swamping the boat, and it seemed that the hope that they had in their ability begins to wane because in chapter 438, it says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You see, their self-sufficiency has subsided. Their self-sufficiency has subsided, and they realize that, that the worry and the anxiety that's overtaken them seems more real than anything at that moment. But what, what you don't see them saying, and, and I think we miss this in this story sometimes, what I don't see them saying um, as they wake Jesus is, Savior, you're the only one that can help us uh, wake up. No, 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 teacher, teacher, we need you now. We've tried, we've tried, and we give up. We need you to do something. No, Jesus wakes up to 12 sets of faith-faltering eyes. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? As if to say, the boys are rowing, and we're trying to get the water out of the boat, and you're sleeping. We need your help. Can you help us get the water out of the boat? Can you help us row? And some of you may be saying, well, well, didn't they wake Jesus up because they thought he might perform a miracle? I would say no. Because at the conclusion of the story, Jesus wakes up. Jesus wakes up from this nap that he's having that must have been quite amazing. But he wakes up, he rebukes the wind and waves, and then he turns to rebuke the boys in the boat. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And what is their response? Oh, Jesus, we should have trusted you. It says that they were terrified. That they were terrified at who was in the boat. Because they had seen him, they had seen him preach powerfully. They had seen him heal people. But they had just now, they had just now witnessed the creator control his creation. And they were terrified by who was in their boat. So they wake up Jesus Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so here we are, here we are on November 8th, 2020. Here you are, wherever that finds you, November 8th, 2020. And fear and worry and anxiety are not surprisingly intense as we continue to face this pandemic and the storm that we're calling 2020. It's not surprisingly that it's tense. And many of you may be looking to the Lord right now. Many of you, not intentionally, but with faltering faith, saying, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if I drown? Because there's COVID health worries. What if health questions? Do I have it? What if I get it? Should I get tested? What if someone I love gets it? Isolation and depression is on the rise. Record-breaking number of storms and hurricanes. There's relational distress and brokenness. There's financial worries. There's economic uncertainty. Worry over the outcome of the election. School restrictions and impact that it's had on children and teachers and sin that's been revealed in our lives that must be surrendered to God. Sounds like a storm. Sounds like a storm. Yet, yet even with all of this, yet even with all of this, we are told, we are told in our Bibles 
Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But surely, surely that doesn't include a pandemic, right? I mean, surely, surely God doesn't, doesn't mean on a political scene like we've been dealing with, right? I mean, aren't we, aren't we justified if we worry, if we're fearful, if we're anxious in 2020? Aren't we justified? But according, according to the word of God, the answer is no. The answer is no. Now stick with me. We're going to get into the word. We're going to open up to Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're going first. Philippians chapter 4, it'll be on the screen here behind me. You can follow along on your word or in you version, but that's where we're headed. Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a church, right? He's writing this letter to a church while he's locked in prison with his life on the line. He writes these words, finding himself in that scenario. We're going to begin in verse 6. Actually, we're going to begin in verse 6, but I want to read the two verses before it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And we pick up here in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But 2020... Do not be anxious about anything, says the man locked in prison with a death sentence. Do not be anxious about anything. But then he helps us out. He helps us out here, right? God's not just going to leave us there. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he gives us something there. In every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then what? And then what do we receive? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The language here that Paul uses, the language here that he uses, that he envisions God's peace as a soldier who protects the hearts and minds of God's children from fear and from worry, and from anxiousness. That's what the language is describing here when he says that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, when the Bible says, when the Bible says to us, even, even in this year, even in 2020, when the Bible says, do not be anxious, do not worry, there is at least one critically important interpretation you and I can and must make. And it is this, that it is possible to not be anxious. It is possible to not be anxious. You see, if you'll accept that that's possible, that it's possible to not be anxious, to not be consumed with worry, then you also must accept this reality, that worry is a choice that we make. That worry and anxiety is a choice that we make. We, we don't think it's a choice because it seems as if anxiety, these anxiousness and worry is this thing that creeps up on us completely out of our control. But you always make a choice to worry. You always make a choice to worry. 
See, you see, a thought is introduced, and we can all relate. A thought is introduced to our minds, and, and we make a decision whether we will respond with anxiety and worry or take action and trust in him. You see, there's something you can do about worry. The choice to worry is a response based on our feelings rather than our faith. So what is at the core of our continual worrying even for those of us who are children of God. This isn't a quote from a Bible or a preacher, but the Scientific American Journal notes this, that chronic worrying stems from a craving for control. That our chronic worrying stems from our craving for control. In the end, anxiety this, this feeling of worry, that it's, this, it's this nagging, tormenting feeling that you cannot fully trust God to be in control of your life. Listen, now I know that this isn't easy to hear. I'm preaching to myself up here, but, but that's what it is. That's the reality of it when God's word says you cannot be anxious. You, that is a possibility in our lives. We must lean in. We must lean in and allow God to speak. Chronic worrying stems from a craving for control. Some of you feel that way right now. Some of you felt that way last night when you went to bed. Worrying, rising up because things are out of control, out of your control. However, however, if Jesus himself says, do not worry and do not let your hearts be troubled, He's speaking to his disciples in John chapter 14. He says, do not worry. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I give to you a peace that the world cannot give. And then the apostle Paul exhorts, he commands those in the church of Philippi, do not be anxious about anything. Then that means there is hope today, friends. There is hope today that you can be free from this overwhelming worry and anxiety. And in fact, that God in these moments, God in these moments is reaching out with his loving grace to offer that to you. I got a quote here from one of our board members, one of our members of our church, Pam Charette. She says, we worry in 2020 because perhaps we've never felt so out of control. But just because we're out of control doesn't mean God isn't in control. But don't you care if we drown? Now, I want to make a note here. What we're talking about today is this feeling that we often give choice to, that we, that we give into, that we feed of, of worry and anxiety. But I want to make a note here today that I recognize that there may be some listening online or some in the room that have been diagnosed with anxiety disorders. And we believe, let me acknowledge this, we believe that a prescription may be necessary for a season to aid to freedom. We believe in Christian counseling and celebrate recovery as an aid to your freedom from that which holds you captive. And so there is no shame in journeying to wholeness by taking part in those things. I want to acknowledge that today before we move forward. But today we're talking about this thing that we all know in our lives, this this overwhelming sense of worry and anxiety that seems to come from nowhere and well up in us when we feel out of control. 
And so I want to look at one more passage in the New Testament found in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And you see Peter's writing this letter, okay? The first one was Paul. This one's Peter, and he's also writing to a group of people who are living under Roman rule. And much of their everyday life would have been categorized in our perspective as living in the midst of a storm. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Peter's writing, and he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now listen, most of your translations, it doesn't read this way on the screen because I changed it. Most of our translations will say, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, period. Verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I don't know about you, but I like to, I like to pull that verse 7, right? I like to pull that verse 7 and say, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But let me show you something. In the original Greek, in the original Greek in which the New Testament was written, verses 6 and 7 are one sentence separated by a comma. And I'm going to show you why that's so important for us today. Verse 6 and 7 are one sentence separated by a comma, so let's read it that way. That's the way that I've put it on the screen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Casting, right, comma, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. First, let me unpack this word casting. This idea here, this idea of casting is, is not this idea of casting your anxiety. Well, uh, I, I, I think I have it, but the Bible says to cast. Like, here you go, God. Like, can you help me? Can you do something about it? No, no, this casting, the word, the verbiage in the original language carries weight with it. It's, it's to place something forcefully onto something or someone else. It's this idea that you're carrying a 100-pound bag of sand and you literally can't carry it anymore. There's the wheelbarrow, and you're just going <clears> to <throat> cast it. You're going to place it with force because you can't carry it any longer. That's the language Peter's using here. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now for the importance of why it's actually one sentence and not two. The Greek root suggests that the casting, listen, if it's one sentence, then the two verbs matter as they interplay with each other. The Greek root for casting suggests that the casting of anxieties is happening simultaneously as the humbling. Do you hear that? The casting of your anxiety happens simultaneously as you're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Therefore, if the humbling doesn't happen, then the casting of your cares, your anxiety, your worry lacks the posture of heart that God desires, a posture of humility. This is going to help some of you today because some of you have been trying to cast your anxieties on the Lord. Some of you know that that verse is there. Some of you know what the Word of God says about fear and worry and anxiety, and you want to cast it on Him because you're tired of carrying it you don't want to let go of that control, right? But if I let go of complete control, what if, what if God doesn't take care of me? 
If I give him complete control, what if, what if I'm out of control? But the casting happens simultaneously to our humbling of ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Under the mighty hand of God. And listen, I turn on the news. I'm not on, I'm not on social media, but I understand that in these days... Uh, that, that it might be true of us that we say, God, you know, I trust you. I trust you. But we take to the internet with a different kind of action and verbiage rather than humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that we might truly cast all our anxiety on him. You see, exemption, the exemption from care, from worry in our lives, the exemption from those things goes along with humble submission, humble surrender to God. The exemption from the worry that we carry, from the anxieties that build up within us, goes along with a humble submission to God, a humbling before God. It's often the case that we do not experience freedom from worry because we're not willing to humble ourselves first. It's often the case we don't experience the freedom from the worry and the anxiety and the trepidation that seems to just always be right there, right there weighing in on us because we won't humble ourselves under his mighty hand first. What does this humbling look like? What does this humbling look like? Surrendering totally. Surrendering totally to his loving care and not our prideful craving for control. I had never seen this before. I had never seen this before. That pride and anxiety are oftentimes linked so tightly together. I had never seen it before until I saw that these two verses were actually one. That oftentimes anxiety remains because pride remains. I wish I could show it to you, but at the center of both of these words, literally at the center of both words is the letter I. And so, without the humbling, without the surrendering totally to his loving care, and not our craving for control, the only peace that we have, the only peace that we have when we desire to remain in control is a fake, fabricated peace. It's based on circumstance. But Jesus said, I offer you peace that the world cannot give. That the world cannot give. And so the advantage, the advantage flowing from humbling ourselves under God's hand is confident reliance on his goodness. No matter what storm is raging, no matter what's raging around us, when we've humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we can confidently rely on his goodness in our life. Listen, the boys in the boat with Jesus, when he was sleeping, the boys in the boat with Jesus experienced this reality. Remember the man writing the letter? He was in the boat that day with Jesus. Peter was in the boat. He was one of the experienced fishermen. And if you read the word, you see Peter, he had a little pride about him. Peter, Peter thought he knew the way that things should work out. He knew how things should play out. And, and Peter now has come to this point in his life. He's a little more seasoned. He's learned a few things, right? And now he talks to these others in the church. He says, listen, 
Listen, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Listen, I'm not talking from some theological, hypothetical perspective. I saw the mighty hand of God calm the storm with a word. That's who's writing this letter. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxiety on him because Peter saw care firsthand. He was in the boat. So what does it look like practically to humbly cast your anxiety on God? We have to look at it practically because because saying you trust someone, saying you trust someone or something and demonstrating your trust through action are two different things. You can say you trust God, but is it demonstrated in your day-to-day actions? I can say I can say I trust this stool over here, right? I can and I didn't test this out before, so I can say I trust this stool to hold me, right? Yeah, I trust that it'll hold me even if I stand on it. Even if I stand on it, I, it's not a very good piece of furniture, but I trust it'll hold me. There's a difference in that than demonstrating the trust and me saying, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I told you I trusted that the stool would hold me. And so what does it look like practically? Saying you trust someone or something is different than demonstrating that trust through action. Because the bottom line for us today is this. The bottom line is that living free, living free from worry and anxiety requires acting on our trust in Jesus. Living free from our worry and anxiety requires acting on our trust in Jesus. Because like I told you earlier, friends, by God's grace, there is something you can do about worry today. According to God's word, we can wage war on worry every day by doing these four things. The first one is this, proclaiming. Proclaiming God's word and promises in our lives. But you got to know him. you got to know him first. And then we proclaim his truth in our lives. We take control of our thoughts by dwelling on his word. There's a line from hip-hop artist Lecrae, one of his songs. He says this, He says, I got a Bible on my dresser that could teach my fears a lesson, but I'd rather not address it. We can wage war on worry by proclaiming his truth, by dwelling on his promises found in his word. The second one is this, by praying. And praying is probably the foundation of all of these things. But we have to focus our prayers as we proclaim his truth. We we focus our prayers and we petition before our Heavenly Father who cares for you. Through prayer, we cast, we place forcefully our anxieties on Him. The third one is this, by praising, by praising Him, by worshiping the Lord. What did Paul say in Philippians? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving, we worship the Lord in every situation and every season. And the fourth one is this, by placing, by placing ourselves before God and humbling ourselves, saying, God, I don't have it. Yes, the ship is getting swamped with water, 
Your word says you care, and I'm out of control, but I recognize you're not. Placing ourselves, humbling ourselves before God and casting our cares on him. Not, not half-heartedly, God, if you can do something, take it. No, no, place it with force. Cast it on him because he cares for each one of you. So here we are. Here we are on November 8th, 2020. But each one of you, each one of you listening in the room and online, I don't want you to think for a second that God has given up or God's resigned or that God has left his throne. He hasn't. He is still on the throne. He's still on the throne this morning. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and in him alone. Listen, I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in my health. I don't trust in my money. And I don't trust in myself. I put my trust in Jesus Christ alone because my life belongs to him. When all the rest of it, when all of the rest of it fails and shatters and crumbles, and eventually it will, he'll be there. He'll be there. So will you trust Jesus and Jesus alone with your worries and your life today? As the worship team comes and we prepare to respond this morning, you were given the elements here, the juice and the wafer, And the invitation today, the invitation today is ultimately to trust him and him alone. To cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so I want to invite you to receive these elements today in just a moment. And as we receive these elements, the elements of communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, the, the, the table where we often gather around together. This is our tangible act. This is going to be our tangible act of receiving the grace of God that he extends to each one of us in this moment. You see, we call the Lord's Supper, we call it a means of grace because we believe in this moment we don't just take in a wafer and some juice. We believe that we are consuming the grace of God as he pours it out upon us as we receive the elements. And so I invite you to humble yourself before the Lord in these moments. Lay down whatever pride you might be carrying today. Cast your worries and anxiety on him as you place your trust in him and him alone today. Some of us needed that reminder. And receive the peace that Jesus offers. Not the fake peace that the culture fabricates, but the peace that Jesus offers. Allow these elements, the wafer, the body of Christ, broken, broken for you. Take and eat And remember and receive the grace of God. And the juice, the blood of Christ, poured out for each one of you. Take and drink and remember and be thankful. Allow these elements to be the tangible response. And then, then after you've received the elements, I I invite you to stand and to worship this day the Prince of Peace. As we wage war on worry today... And proclaim that he is good and that we will trust him and him alone. Would you pray with me? Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus, I trust you alone today. When all of it fails and shatters and crumbles, you'll still be there. So I pray today, God, as we wage war on worry in the midst of this storm that has surrounded us throughout this whole year, God, and in the midst of the storms, Lord, that are so very real in the lives of those who are listening this morning. I pray that we would lay down our pride, that we would humble ourselves before you, God, so that that our anxieties, God, might be cast upon you because of your great care for us. As we receive these elements, Lord, I pray we would receive them with thankful hearts and we would receive the grace that you extend to us even now, Lord. If there's sin in our hearts, I pray that we would allow this moment to be a moment of repentance, God. If we've trusted in lesser gods, I pray, Lord, that we would repent and turn to you as the one true God alone. And that we would trust you today with all of our lives. Jesus, Jesus, you're worthy. We worship you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.